Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Welcome to the Bushwood Country Club. The membership's exclusive. You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? The help is outrageous. The madness is contagious. Bad language, fooling around on the course, poor caddying. What is whole place? Caddyshack, starring Chevy Chase as Ty Webb. Who is that disgusting man over there? A sportsman who really knows how to score. So what brings you to this uh, nape of the woods, neck of the wave? How come you're here? Rodney Dangerfield as Al Servant, a big shot. My dinghy's bigger than your whole boat! With an even bigger mouth. <laughs> hey, somebody step on a duck. <laughs> Ted Knight as Judge Smales, a man of dignity <laughs> and a sense of fair play. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, a caddy who wants an education and gets one. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. Cindy Morgan as Lacey Underall. She's got a bad reputation, and she's working hard to keep it. You want to tie me up with some of your ties? And Bill Murray as Carl Spackler. Uh, Just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything, nothing to be worried about. He's not crazy about gophers, (laughs) but he is crazy. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. And introducing Mr. Gopher as himself. I said freeze, Gopher! Caddyshack. It's all about swinging. Kiss me, you fool. But not on the course. Hey, you want to make $14 the hard way? Ah! Playing a good game. That's all he got out of that one. And talking a better one. Hey, I should have stayed home and played with myself. Taking shots. That was a bum shot. And making time. We couldn't possibly think less of each other. Controlling your drives. Wow! And losing your grip. (laughs) It is! You! Out! Or the man's a menace. Caddyshack. The comedy with... Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Caddyshack from 1980. The studio was actually Orion Pictures, but it was distributed through Warner Brothers. The release date, July 25th, 1980. The running time, 98 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget, $5 million. The box office took in $39.8 million, making it the 17th ranked film of 1980. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 73% fresh from 59 reviews. Their consensus is, though unabashedly crude and juvenile, Caddyshack nevertheless scores with its classic slapstick, unforgettable characters, and endlessly quotable dialogue. Rotten Tomatoes is amusing because when Caddyshack was originally released, critics hated the film because it wasn't Animal House like they had expected. Today, with revisionist history, those reviews have been revised or simply ignored. Sort of like how Rolling Stone magazine now loves Led Zeppelin, when they actually hated them when they were releasing albums in the 1970s. So Roger Ebert at the time gave the film two and a half out of four stars. So here is his review. Caddyshack never finds a consistent comic note of its own, 
but it plays host to all sorts of approaches from its stars, who sometimes hardly seem to be occupying the same movie. There's Bill Murray's self-absorbed craziness, Chevy Chase's laid-back amusement, and Ted Knight's apoplectic overplaying. And then there is Rodney Dangerfield, who wades into the movie and cleans up. To the degree that this is anybody's movie, it's Dangerfield's, and he mostly seems to be using his own material. The movie never really develops a plot, but maybe it doesn't want to. Director Harold Ramis brings on his cast of characters and lets them loose at one another. There's a vague subplot about a college scholarship for the caddies and another one about the judge's nubile niece and continuing warfare waged by Murray against the gophers who are devastating the club, but Ramis is cheerfully prepared to interrupt everything for moments of comic inspiration. And there are three especially good ones. The caddies in the swimming pool doing a Busby Berkeley number, another pool scene that's a scatological satire of Jaws, and a sequence in which Dangerfield's gigantic speedboat devastates a yacht club. Dangerfield is funniest, though, when the movie just lets him talk. He's a Henny Youngman clone, filled with one-liners and insults, and he's great at the country club's dinner dance, abusing everyone and making rude noises. Surveying the crowd from the bar, he uses lines that he has, in fact, stolen directly from his nightclub routine. With his bizarre wardrobe and trick golf bag, he's a throwback to Groucho Marx and W.C. Fields' school of insult comedy. He has a vitality that the movie's younger comedians can't match, and they suffer in comparison. Chevy Chase, for example, has some wonderful moments in this movie, as a studiously absent-minded hedonist who doesn't even bother to keep score when he plays golf. He's good, but somehow he's in the wrong movie. His whimsy doesn't fit with Dangerfield's blatant scenery chewing or with Bill Murray's character. Murray is a slob who goes after gophers with explosives and entertains sexual fantasies about women golfers could be a refugee from Animal House. Maybe one of the movie's problems is that the central characters are never really involved in the same action. Murray's off on his own fighting gophers. Dangerfield arrives, devastates, exits. Knight is busy impressing the caddies, making vague promises about scholarships, and launching boats. If they were somehow all drawn together into the same story, maybe we'd be carried along more confidently. But Caddyshack feels more like a movie that was written rather loosely. So when the shooting began, there was freedom, too much freedom, for it to wander off in all directions in search of comic inspiration. And that's the end of Ebert's review. So while Ebert doesn't eviscerate Caddyshacks like the other critics at the time, this isn't a movie made for the critics, which is likely now why it's considered a comedy classic and fans are still quoting the film to this day. The film made golf actually interesting and launched the film career of Rodney Dangerfield and made Bill Murray even a bigger star. Even gophers became lovable furry creatures from Caddyshack. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So Harold Ramis used to say while filming Caddyshack, it's not my money, meaning if all of the debauchery on set led to a complete disaster of the film, well, it's not his fault. <laughs> the making of Caddyshack was every bit as wild as the film itself, and we'll get into all of that. Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny wrote for National Lampoon Magazine in the 70s, and had just come off the enormous hit of Animal House, co-writing that film. And if you didn't know, Kenny also played Stork in Animal House. However, he had a major alcohol and drug problem, and tragically, he died after falling off a cliff in Hawaii shortly after Caddyshack was released at the age of 33. He never lived to see the success of Caddyshack, only the negative reviews, sadly. To round out the writing team, Brian Doyle Murray, another alum of National Lampoon, and also, of course, the brother of Bill Murray, was brought in to co-write the script. 
The reason was the studio believed the film was going to be Animal House on a golf course. And that's frankly not far off in many ways, except Caddyshack had a mechanical gopher. With the success of Animal House came the pressure to match it or top it. And as Ramis put it, that's incredibly dangerous as a filmmaker. If you try to carbon copy what you did prior, it never works. The main difference between Animal House and Caddyshack is that Ramis would get to direct something he wrote for the first time. Ramis first pitched two script ideas, which were passed on immediately. One was a dark comedy about the American Nazi party marching in Illinois. Obviously, that idea was used in the Blues Brothers. The other one was a Western comedy. However, Kenny and Brian Dole Murray had an idea about a comedy that takes place at a country club. Brian had been a caddy as a teenager at a few golf courses in Illinois and had plenty of stories about his experiences. And Doug Kenny had been an assistant tennis pro at a pro shop and had similar stories about working with the elitist snobs in his teen years. And by the way, I forgot to mention, Kenny was one of the founders of the National Lampoon magazine while he was attending Harvard University. So Ramis went back to the studio, and there he pitched the country club idea, which was received much more positively than his prior pitches, and he was given the go-ahead to start writing the script. The three writers would toss around all their stories about what they knew about country clubs and golfing and their own comedic touches, like when Harold Ramis, who had only golfed twice in his life, actually struck another player with a golf ball directly in the nuts. (laughs) The original script was almost all about the caddies exclusively, similar to the focus of the fraternities in Animal House. However, that was adjusted when the bigger name stars were cast, and most of what was cut from the original script was all of the caddy story because the big stars kept improvising and certain roles got much bigger, like Al and Carl. The original script was also over 250 pages long, which was way too long. And if you don't know already, most movie scripts are anywhere from 100 to 115 pages. The main caddy, Danny Noonan, who was played by Michael O'Keefe, was based on Murray's brother, Ed, who actually won a caddy scholarship when he was in high school. Also, the large Irish Catholic Noonan family was also based on the Murray family, which had nine kids in total. Bill Murray was also a caddy, a greenskeeper, and sold hot dogs on the course growing up. So the edited script was eventually turned in, but the studio execs were hesitant to make an entire film about golf, as the common belief was that golf is super boring to watch. Nobody's going to pay to watch a golf movie. Plus, the studio was hesitant about having Ramis direct the film, because, again, he had never directed before, and also having Doug Kenny produce a film for the first time. However, the studio also knew that these guys had really keyed into the youth market, especially for comedy, of course, with National Lampoon and and the Animal House movie, so therefore they greenlit the project. However, unbeknownst to Ramis, the studio also hedged their bets by having a list of directors that could potentially take over the film if filming didn't go as planned. Ramis said shooting Caddyshack was so much fun, it was like having a party every day. And this spoiled him for every other movie because, frankly, filming movies were not always that much fun, especially when you had so many talented actors trying to vie for screen time. This being said, on Caddyshack, not every actor was enjoying the raucous environment, like Ted Knight, who of course was coming off the hugely successful and critically acclaimed show, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, where he played Ted Baxter. And to be fair, he was much older than much of the cast and was used to a certain professional work environment. After being a success on television, he really wanted to break into film, finally. But Ramis said his comedic timing was impeccable and really got the movie and the character perfectly. And then, completely the polar opposite, you had Rodney Dangerfield, who was actually around the same age as Ted Knight, 
but he partied like he was in college. So in many ways, their real-life personas translated to their characters on screen. Dangerfield was a legendary stand-up comedian, and he was getting his first big break on film. It was amazingly his first film of his career. And he used the success of playing Al Chervik for the rest of his film career. Now, at the time, Rodney was a real wild card because nobody knew if his comedic style would actually translate on film. And actually, Don Rickles was believed to be the first choice before Rodney. However, Rodney was super successful from his appearances on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. Therefore, they took a chance on him. For the role of Ty Webb, which was written with Chevy Chase in mind... He was one of the biggest comedic actors of that era. He was coming off Saturday Night Live, and he had hit movies like Foul Play with Goldie Hawn. One of the main directors from the studio was that they absolutely needed a star in the film. And luckily, Doug Kenny was good friends with Chevy Chase. Also keeping with the SNL theme, you had Bill Murray, who was appearing in only his third film. The first, of course, was Meatballs. The next, Where the Buffalo Roam. By all accounts, Murray was the most eccentric of all the actors, and you never knew what he was going to do. Originally, Murray's appearance in Caddyshack was only supposed to be a cameo, not the full-blown role that it morphed into as Carl the Groundskeeper. Murray was cast last due to his busy schedule, and he could only shoot for six days. Now, it's pretty well known for those that follow this uh, that Chevy Chase and Bill Murray did not get along, even before the film. They actually got into a physical fight on the set of SNL a few years prior when Chase came back to host the show, and Bill was still one of the main players. I'll get more into their actual scene in Caddyshack later. The first choice to play Danny Noonan was actually Mickey Rourke, who was... Back then, just a fresh-faced actor at the time, not even close to the grizzled veteran we all know of him as today. However, Ramis and the others weren't sure he could actually play funny, or broadly funny, like the role called for. It was Ryan Pictures that suggested Michael Keefe, who had just been in one of their films with Robert Duvall called The Great Santini, and he really held his own with one of the best actors of his era in Duvall. Cindy Morgan was a disc jockey in Chicago before moving to Hollywood to pursue acting. Now, everyone remembers being taken back by her beauty when she was reading for the part of Lacey Underall. And just like the film, all the guys tried to be much cooler than they really were because everyone was trying to impress her, as most young guys do. Now, until I started doing research for this film, I never realized that the character of Maggie O'Hooligan <laughs> was an Irish exchange student. I just figured she was Irish and lived there. Sarah Holcomb, who plays Maggie, had worked with Ramis and Kenny on Animal House and, of course, played the underage girlfriend of Kroger, though he didn't know that at the time in the film. And, of course, Holcomb was really 19 in real life. Scott Columby, who played a small character on the hit TV show One Day at a Time with Valerie Bertinelli, whom he was also dating at the time, uh, he felt there was a similarity in that character and Tony Denuzio in Caddyshack. And most of the actors that came in to read tried to be Al Pacino in Serpico instead of a character with humor. So with the cast in place, Orion, to their credit, were hands-off in letting Ramis and Kenny make their film. So for better or worse, the creativity would be all theirs. The production team also knew they wanted to film outside of Hollywood to be isolated and away from any potential interference. Plus, the whole idea of the country club was supposed to take place in Illinois since that's where the Murray brothers grew up. However, they were filming in the fall and winter of 1979, and the Midwest was not the type of weather that would work for a film supposed to take place in the summer. They finally ended up in Florida, which had the right weather and no palm trees like Los Angeles. Unfortunately, the country club was also the final approach for the Fort Lauderdale Airport, which meant air traffic noise while shooting. On top of that, there was condo construction on both sides of the golf course, nonstop. 
However, there was a motel right on the golf course, which meant the entire cast and crew could essentially live on set and not worry about travel accommodations to and from the set. But most importantly to everyone who liked to party, the after-hour shenanigans never ended. The other issue while shooting in Florida was the imminent hurricane season, which delayed shooting and also led to more partying because they couldn't do anything else. Harold Ramis was known for being one of the most laid-back guys there was, and that calm demeanor was a blessing while directing the film and dealing with a number of stars who had very different types of personalities. But he was also a first-time director, and he relied on veterans like cinematographer Steve Larner to guide him. Larner had just come off filming hits like Badlands and the Buddy Holly story. As I mentioned, also a first-timer is Rodney Dangerfield, but he was so used to getting laughs to guide him whether or not his stage bits were working, and it's not like filming a movie. So after filming his first scene, he kept muttering that he sucked and that he didn't understand that the cast and crew couldn't just burst out laughing every time he was filming a scene. He was that new to the movies. The young actors loved working with him, though, because he was always on and fun and loved to party. Rodney would come up with new jokes every day, which would be incorporated into the script. And Rodney needed to have every line he delivered just perfected, because that's what he was used to on stage. However, then there's Chevy Chase, who improvised more than anyone. The script was a mere guide to him. Michael O'Keefe said you never knew what he was going to do or say. You had to be loose and ready to go with the flow. However, Cindy Morgan wasn't ready for Chevy's improvs and had to learn the hard way. Like when the bottle of oil spilled on her back, she had no idea what was going to happen. But it led to real comic gems and genuine reactions that wouldn't have happened if they knew they were coming. However, the on-screen comic timing wasn't necessarily always harmonious, and Chase and Morgan got into a verbal war on set, and Ramis had to smooth things over just to get the scene shot. And Ramis would do this by distracting the actors, getting them in their places, and just roll the camera without them knowing. So when shooting wrapped, it was back to Hollywood for the first rough cut. The problem was, there was so much funny material that it was just too much and the first cut was over four hours long. So, it took an incredibly laborious process to edit the film down to just a little over 90 minutes, but also keep the amazing comedy intact and have somewhat of a plot. So, the main casualty of the cuts was the Maggie character, and the movie turned into a series of vignettes. But where it really gave the movie some cohesion, and the story some cohesion, was the gopher puppet. The gopher was the glue that ended up holding the film together when much of the caddy scenes were cut out. The gopher was originally just a hand puppet, and really only in one scene where he took the ball from Rodney, where he yells, hey, that kangaroo just stole my ball. But in post-production, a more visual appealing gopher was needed to be included in the film. So Orion ponied up more money for the budget for a gopher, and even live animals were auditioned. Finally, it was special effects wizard John Dykstra who was hired to create a gopher. Dykstra had just won two Oscars for his work on Star Wars, so the gopher had to almost be like a human. He could spit water, cough smoke, dance, all the fun stuff you saw in the film. And really, he is a character in and of himself. However, Doug Kenny was not a fan of the gopher and was pissed that it was even being considered for the film because he felt it cheapened the comedic brilliance that the film had. He wanted a more intellectual film centered around the Danny character, but that's not how the film ended up. And ultimately, the absurd nature of the finished product is what fans love because it was unique. Everyone had seen countless coming-of-age movies, so nobody had seen a movie like Caddyshack before, especially a dancing gopher. All right, let's get into the film. So it opens with a montage of a golf course at Bushwood Country Club. Immediately, we see one of the main characters, the Pessy Gopher, who will be featured prominently throughout the film. 
The opening song is a classic, I'm Alright, from the 1980s soundtrack king, Kenny Loggins, as this would be his first major soundtrack hit of the decade. And of course, the gopher dances along to I'm Alright, as only he can. Ramus and Kenny had jokingly suggested Pink Floyd to do the main song, and the Orion executive actually tried to sign up the legendary rock band. But could you imagine the gopher dancing to a Pink Floyd song? I mean, really? <laughs> but one of the more realistic executives was a big fan of Kenny Loggins and reached out to him. Loggins saw the film before it even had an ending, but he thought it was hilarious and was eager to add his music to the film, and he wrote, I'm alright. And if you didn't know, Loggins even sells gopher puppets at his concerts. How awesome is that? For the actual score, Johnny Mandel was picked. If you didn't know, Mandel was a composer who famously wrote the MASH theme. We are then introduced to Danny Noonan, Michael O'Keefe, who was the oldest of like 10 or 15 kids. I lost track, but it's a litter of critters. <laughs> Though I think some of them are just relatives. I don't know about that place anymore, you know. I talked to a guy who went there and said there were only two girls and they were both nuns. Ah, I saw that. That's about ten bucks and change. I had a couple of burgers and some Cokes for lunch. How many Cokes? Four or five. What are you, a diabetic? I don't know. Wait, you're not leaving this house till we settle the college thing. I'm just going to get something lined up by September. I'm going to ask Tom Burdick to put him on at the lumberyard. He's not going to work at the lumberyard. He isn't going to be a caddy all his life, is he? Danny rides his bike to Bushwood for another day of being a caddy. His first client is the eccentric bachelor Ty Webb. That's Chevy Chase. It's the Ty Webb character that Chase perfected, eventually, in Fletch. The only difference is, is that he had a job in Fletch and wasn't just a rich guy born into wealth like in Caddyshack. Can I ask you something? Sure thing. Shoot, Timmy. Danny. Danny. When you were my age, did you ever have trouble deciding what you wanted to do with your life? <laughs> no. I've never had that problem, really. Why? Forget it. I didn't think you'd understand. 
You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. I don't know. Did you have to take that Cooter preference test when you were a senior in high school? Oh, yeah, I took it. They said I should be a fire watcher. <laughs> what are you supposed to be? An underachiever. <laughs> I gotta go to college. I gotta. Oh, uh, Danny, this is in Russia. Is this Russia? This is in Russia, is it? Nah, I didn't think so. No, the thing is, really, uh, do you want to go to college? Uh, in Nebraska? Besides, it costs like $8,000 a year. Hold on, Danny. I think I let you, what, $250 yesterday? I can't foot the bill for everything around here. Let's not ask for money. It's just that my dad, Hank, he can't afford it. I haven't even told him about the scholarship I didn't get. I'm going to end up working in a lumber yard the rest of my life. What's wrong with lumber? I own two lumber yards. I notice you don't spend too much time there. I'm not sure where they are. Ah. Uh. Uh. I like you, Betty. That's Danny, sir. Danny, I'm going to give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking. Let things happen. And be the ball. Danny? Danny? Sir? <laughs> Where's the uh, wedge? Right here, sir. Thank you, Danny. Find your center. Hear nothing. Feel nothing. That was kind of incredible, sir. You try it, Danny. Pardon me? Pardon you? Here. You try it. Ah, I don't know. Go ahead. Just relax. Find your center. Picture the shot, Danny. Picture it. Turn off all the sound. Just let it happen. Be the ball. Be the ball, Danny. You're not being the ball, Danny. Well, it's kind of difficult with you talking like okay. that. Okay, I'm not talking. Stop talking. Not talking now. Where'd it go? Right in the lumberyard. It's okay, we'll work on it. Really, in the late 1970s and 80s, nobody had a better dry wit than Chevy Chase. So many one-liners that even if you miss some, you'll just catch the next one, which leads to repeat viewing of this film. And by the way, one of the jokes in the last clip was a visual as Ty puts on a blindfold to be the ball, and then proceeds to fumble around with a number of clubs from his bag. The next character we meet is Judge Smales, played by Ted Knight. Nobody could have played the villain of this film better than Ted Knight. He's perfectly over the top and will eventually be the perfect foil for another character. I finish! Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A golfer! Golfer! Where? Do you know what golfers can do to a golf course? Why, sir, I think they're tunneling in from that construction site over yonder. Chervik Construction Company? I'll slap an injunction on them so fast it'll make their head spin. You... Ooh, better get rid of those gophers, or I'll be looking for a new greenskeeper. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. Yeah. I'll put my best mind on it. Hey. This is Crane. I'm looking at you. You wore green so you could hide. <laughs> I don't blame you. You're a tramp. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, that was right where you wanted it. Oh, Mrs. Crane, you're a little monkey woman, you know that? You're a little monkey woman. You're lean, 
And you're mean, and you're not too far between either, I bet, are you, huh? Would you like to wrap your spikes around my head? Damn your eyes, man. I told you to cut the long grass on the 13th and to mow the practice green. Unavoidably detained. Hey, you can forget about the 13th and the practice green. I've got a more important job. I want you to kill every golfer on the course. Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're going to lock me up and throw away the key. Golfers! They're great kid, not golfers. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Why? We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. All right, let's do the same thing, but with golfers. Rush! It's not my fault nobody can understand what you're saying. That, of course, was Carl Spackler, the great Bill Murray. And to this day, it's still one of Murray's most memorable characters in a long career, which includes many beloved roles. Next, we meet Lou, which is played by Brian Doyle Murray. He's the manager of the Caddies. We also meet Caddy Tony D'Annunzio, which is played by Scott Columbia, who doesn't care about his job, nor does he think highly of Danny. Hey, wait a minute. That's only 50 cents. Yeah, Lou raised the price of coke. He's been losing it to track. Well, I ain't paying no 50 cents for no coke. Ah, you ain't getting no coke. You know what I'm talking about? You had it. Come on, open up this door. Open up this door. Oh, God, jerk. Jerk. Come on, Eddie. Whoa, it, baby. Hey, hey, what's going on? Come on. Hey, Lou. Hi. Out. Out. Sure you don't need me for nothing? No. Hi, guy. Oh. Hey, I think you and I will go outside and have a little talk. My friend, you have no idea how happy this is going to make Well, I'm going to enjoy this. Smoking grass. 
How else are you going to get through those hot summer days with the corpses that play golf at Beechwood? By the way, you might have missed the subtle gem of a line when Tony walks into the clubhouse and a guy yells, Did they die on you, Tony? (laughs) To be fair, his clients were probably around back when Prohibition was legal, but people remember all the great scenes in this film, but the comedy dialogue is what really makes this film a classic. Missed in the last clip was a great story from Carl about the Dalai Lama, though he pronounces the name a bit differently. So I jump ship in Hong Kong, and I make my way over to Tibet, and I get on as a looper at a course over there in Himalayas. A looper? A looper. You know, a caddy, a looper. Jack. So I tell him I'm a pro Jack, and who do you think they give me? The Dalai Lama himself. Twelfth son of the Lama, the flowing robes, the grace, bald, <sighs> striking. So I'm on a first tee with him. I give him the driver. He hauls off and whacks one. Big hitter, the Lama. Long. Into a 10,000-foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the Lama says? No. Gunga Galunga. Gunga Gunga la Gunga. So we finish 18. And he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me, which is nice. Hey, Lama. <laughs> That was the first scene that Murray shot on the film. Most of it was improvised by Bill Murray, though Harold Ramis suggested it would be funny if the llama stiffed him and Murray incorporated the idea into his speech. After Lou reprimands Tony's brother for breaking the gumball machine, it was announced that there's going to be a caddy scholarship available for the season, which Danny desperately needs in order to enroll in college. Unfortunately, the only way to get the scholarship is to kiss the ass of Judge Smales. Oh, Porter! Yes, sir! Yes, sir, Judge! Yes, sir! Look at the wax buildup on those shoes! This is fine leather. I want that wax stripped off there. I want them creamed and buffed with a fine chamois. And I want them now. Chop, chop. Got him, got him, Chuck. <laughs> Have you heard the latest one about the Jew, the Catholic, and the colored boy who went to heaven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a doozy, Judge. Colored boy. <laughs> Why, you son of a bitch. I'll fix you, you son of a bitch. Colored boy. Woodhouse, instead of buffing Judge Smales' shoes, decides to scratch them all to hell. In a movie that has a wealth of riches when it comes to comedic talent, there's one that takes the cake. Of course, that's Rodney Dangerfield, who plays the character Al Chervik, which is spelled to kind of sound like cervix. (laughs) Yeah, I can't park my car, get my bags. Put on some weight, will you? Hey, Wang, what's with the pictures? It's a parking lot. Come on, will you? I think this place is restricted, Wang, so don't tell me you're Jewish. Okay, fine. Hey, kid, I'm Al Chervik. I'm playing with Drew Scott today. This is my guest, Mr. Wang. No offense. Oh, I can give me half a half of those, those Vulcan D10s and set my friend up here with the whole schmear. You know, clubs, bags, shoes, gloves, shirt, pants... Hey, orange balls, I'll have a box of those. Give me a box of those naked lady tees and give me two of those. Give me six of those. 
Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I'll bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. And that would be the first of many insults from Al to the judge. We meet the last of our new characters, and that's the judge's niece, Lacey Underall. Also a great name, played by Cindy Morgan. Lacey is the desire of every caddy, and she knows it. Madonna with meatballs. <laughs> Turds! Spalding! How many times have I spoken to you about your language? Sorry, Grandpa, I forgot. Ow, hey, boy! Ow, how are ow, you? Ow, hey! You're all Good set to go. You're my friend over here, don't you? Sure, sure. Well, how you doing? Okay, right, right, okay. What, are we waiting for these guys? Hey, Whitey, where's your hat? Let's go while we're young. You mind, sir? Trying to tee off? I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah. Okay, you can owe me. I owe you nothing. Four. <laughs> Fine shot. I should have yelled two. Why don't we walk this off, sir? Oh. <laughs> right in the nuts. Should have yelled two. So brilliant. By the way, I still crack up every time Smale's dipshit nephew yells turds after every shot. <laughs> Next, Al continues to make a mockery of the sport and the club every chance he gets, and rightfully so. He then turns on the stereo in his golf bag, which is full of gadgets. And of course, you must dance like Rodney anytime Journey's Any Way You Want It comes on. Hey, what do you got in here, rocks? Are you kidding? When I was your age, I would lug 50 pounds of ice up five, six flights of stairs. So what? So what? So let's dance. The man's a menace. All night, all night. Cut that off! Music is a violation of my personal privacy. He's breaking the law. Really? You know, I've always been fascinated with the law, sir. Oh, really? What areas? Oh, all areas. Personal privacy, noise statutes. You know, I, I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but... Uh, Looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Nice try. <laughs> While Al annoys Smales, Carl begins his quest to rid the course of the pesky gopher. Three big gobs of greasy granny gopher guts. How about a nice cool drink? Varmints, scum, slime, menace to the golfing industry. You're, you're a disgrace. And your varmints, you're one of the lowest members of the food chain, and you'll probably be replaced by the rat. Well, I have been pushed. I think it's about time that somebody teach these varmints a little lesson about morality and about what it's like to be a decent, upstanding member of a society. Come to Carl, Varmint. Come to Carl. Ah! Ah! Okay. I guess we're playing for keeps now. I guess the getting around is pretty much over, huh? 
I guess it's just a matter now of pumping about 15,000 gallons of water down there to teach you a little bit of a lesson. Is that it? I think it is. Hey, you guys are brothers, huh? Yeah. Yeah, what is this, a family business or what? You know, they say for Italians, it's a skilled labor, you know that? No, actually, I'm a rich millionaire. You see, my doctor told me to get out and carry golf bags a couple of times a week. Uh, hey, you're a funny kid, you know? Yeah, what time you do back in Boys Town? <laughs> Here we are, now. Hey, Albert Einstein gave me this, you know? Yeah. Nice man, nice man. Made a fortune in physics. Oops, sorry, one more character needs to be introduced, and that's Danny's sort of girlfriend, Maggie, played by Sarah Holcomb, of course. You remember from Animal House. I want a hamburger, no, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog, I want a milkshake, I want potato You'll chips. get nothing and like it. Daddy, Daddy, stop it, the judge will see you. You going out with me tonight, Maggie? Yeah, to my room. I gotta work in the dining room tonight. Come work with me, you can bust tables. Never done that. It's easy. You fill the water glass, you replace the butter. If they drop a fork, you give them another one. I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> oh, right. yes. Ah, put me down for five. Oh, if I can just make this one. <laughs> <clears throat> Hey, Smells! Thousand bucks you missed that putt! Long nerve! If club throwing became a sport, the judge would be actually pretty good. The club ended up hitting one of the club members' wives, but Danny covers for the judge, saying he didn't put a new grip on the club and takes responsibility. This temporarily endears Danny to the judge and helps with the potential of getting a scholarship. Later that evening, we see Carl gearing up for round two against the golfer. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. Man, free to kill gophers at will. To kill, you must know your enemy. In this case, my enemy is a varmint. And a varmint will never quit, ever. They like the Viet Cong. Varmint Cong. So what you gotta do, you gotta fall back. That's superior firepower. And superior intelligence. And that's how she wrote. Also that evening at the club for dinner, Al continues to make his presence known. <laughs> so I 
tell you, now, when Mona died last winter, I said to myself, Al, if you keep busting your hump 16, 20 hours a day, you'll end up with a $60 million funeral, you know? <laughs> hey, doll, can you scare up another round for our table over here and tell the cook this is low-grade dog food, all right? And here, take this for yourself, okay? Gee, <laughs> I had better food at the ball game, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you, this steak still has marks where the jockey was hitting. <laughs> Well, anyway, today I just stick to real estate, you know? With the market these days, if you own anything but land, you own a popcorn farm. <laughs> oh, somebody stepping a duck? <laughs> is that right, sir? The graveyard is two blocks to the left, okay? Dog food! I saw his dog food! Hey, where's the bar? Let's have some drinks here. See what's going on for crying out loud. <laughs> hey, waiter, here, this is for you, all right? Oh, Captain Hook. Uh, how about the granny over me, huh? Ah, forget about it. I'm just kidding, all right? <laughs> oh, this is your wife. Oh, ooh, a lovely lady. Hey, baby, you're all right. You must have been something before electricity, huh? <laughs> okay. Hey, doll, how are you, huh? You live alone? Hey, Rabbi, nice seeing you. Okay, you're all right. Folks, how are you, huh? And this your grandson, huh? Oh, wonderful boy. Nice boy, right? He's a good boy, okay? And now I know why tigers eat their young, you know? Oh. The dance of the living dead. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney's the best. Soon after, Ty shows up and catches the eye of Lacey. Oh, heads up, but I think someone's given you the big eye. Ooh, I remember her from home sound. Hey, Sabu, can you make a bull shot? You make a shoe smell? Very funny, you are right. Why don't you get yourself a real haircut? Here, take this, all right? Thanks. Ooh, Look at that one. Well, the last time I saw a mouth like that, it had a hook in it. So, what brings you to this uh, nape of the woods, neck of the wave? How come you're here? Daddy wanted to broaden me. In this place? Good luck. What do you do for excitement? Oh, I uh, play a lot of golf. Golf? <laughs> Nixon plays golf. I bet you got a lot of interesting stories about your ball landing in the room. So what do you do? I enjoy skinny skiing, going to bullfights on acid, I bet you got a lot of nice ties. What do you mean? You want to tie me up with some of your ties, Ty? I've got a good idea. What? Let's pretend we're real human beings. Back at the party, Al continues to leave his mark. Elihu, who is that disgusting man over there? I tell you, I never saw dead people smoke before. Guest of the Scots. What do you say we bust up this joint, huh? Hey, you two should get a room, you know? Hey, Ringo, play something hot, will ya? And you guys, take some more lessons. Hey, Chuck, give someone else a chance, huh, you lucky devil? Come here, honey. Hey, loosen up, will you? You're a lot of women, you know that? 
Hey, you want to make $14 the hard way? Ah! You! You! You're no gentleman. I'm no doorknob either, all right? I never want to see that man here again. <laughs> the next day, Danny asked for advice from Ty. Mr. Webb, I just got to win that caddy tournament. I owe it to my folks to get that scholarship. What do you want to go to college for, Danny? I don't know. Let me tell you a little story. I once knew a guy who could have been a great golfer. Could have gone pro. All I needed was a little time, some practice. Decided to go to college instead. Went for four years. He did pretty well. At the end of his four years, it was the last semester, he was kicked out. You know what for? It was night putting. Just putting at night. The 15-year-old daughter of the dean. <laughs> know who that guy was, Danny? No. Take one good guess. Bob Hope. <laughs> no, no. No, that guy was Mitch Kumstein, my roommate. He's a good guy. Don't be obsessed with your desires, Danny. The Zen philosopher Basho once wrote... A flute with no holes is not a flute. And a donut with no hole is a Danish. He's a funny guy. You missed just that one. In one physical model of the universe, the shortest distance between two points. It's a straight line in the opposite direction, Danny. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Thank you very little. <laughs> What's great about the beginning of the last scene is we think Ty is lining up a shot, but he's really taking a leak on the green. <laughs> and again, with the naming of Mitch Kumstein <laughs> as Ty's roommate, these ridiculous names would go even further in the movie Fletch. Danny takes part in the 35th annual Caddy Day competition, and he wins, even with Tony and his buddies trying to distract him. Danny celebrates with Maggie by finally getting her into bed. The rest of the caddies invade the club pool, and we get one of the funniest and most memorable scenes in a movie full of them. the entire pool scrub sterilized and disinfected.
Of course, just a baby Ruth candy bar. But seeing Carl eat it and having Mrs. Smales faint is just priceless. If you ever want to clear out a pool, duty will always do the trick. The scene was based on another true story from the writers. Except, in real life, it wasn't a baby Ruth in the pool. And the entire pool cleared out very quickly to get rid of the biohazard. (laughs) And though you didn't hear it in the last bit of audio, the water ballet was hilarious before the duty was found. As Ramus staged an impromptu Esther Williams-type show with the caddies in the pool. That night, Lacey goes to Ty's place. This is Chevy Chase in prime form. There's too many great one-liners to count, so just enjoy the audio. Oh, hello. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Hi. Busy? No, come on in. Oh, go ahead. That's nothing. I tried calling, but they don't have a listing for Mr. Wonderful. What uh, spelling did you use? Sorry about this mess. Let me just clean up here. Getting ready for the season. What, duck? (laughs) No, no. Dolphin, would you like a drink? Tuna colada, perhaps? Anything, anything. Who's your decorator, Benny Hanna? <laughs> no, I bought most of that stuff back with me from Vietnam. You were in the war? Oh, uh, no. Homo. Much better now, though. Here's an uncashed check for $70,000. Keep it. There's a bunch of them. And a summons. Yours. Pretty pathetic, Ty. Pathetic? Maybe you, Lacey. For me, there's a subtle perfection in everything I do. I have my own standards, my own way. My uncle says you got a screw loose. Oh, yeah. Your uncle molests collies. And you're rather, uh... What? Attractive for beautiful girl with a great body. Hey! Ooh! (laughs) I was born to love you. I was born to lick your face. I was born to rub you. But you were born to rub me first. Let's go into uh, the patio. But I want you to know about it. Slight acupressure would attract your puncture. The slightest trick, and you wouldn't even know. I'm Don't know. You. I did not do that. See? You feel looser? Listen. I feel like a hundred dollars. <laughs> Forget the massage. Okay? 
And just kiss me, you fool. Mm-hmm. Danny attends the yacht club after Judge Smales' invite and ends up hooking up with Lacey. While that's going on, the judge runs into Al, or vice versa. I've got a little a little poem that I'd like to read in honor of this occasion, if I may. It's Paul to get your foot off the boat. It's easy to grin when your ship comes in and you've got the stock market beat. But the man worthwhile is the man who can smile when his shorts are too tight in the seat. <laughs> okay, Pookie, do the honors. Bless this ship and all who sail on her. I christen thee the Flying Wasp. Well, don't just stand there. Go get some glue. Hey, my buddy, Swanson, full steam ahead. Over there. I want to go over there. Uh, move over, Swanson. I'm driving. And if the judge's day couldn't get any worse, he ends up walking in on Lacey and Danny in his bedroom. Uh 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 Your robe, Your Honor. Thanks a lot. Are we still having tea? Oh! Oh! Emma Hugh, would you come and loofer my stretch mark?
back on the course, Carl is doing his best to keep his mind off the gopher. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. At Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Well, he got all of that. The crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, I expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's going to... Looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! I was hoping to squeeze in nine holes before this rain starts. Uh, certainly, Your Eminency. Take my bag, huh? Certainly, Your Magnificence. Okay, come on. Chop, chop. Let's go. Better put this on. Yeah, but that's a great shot, though. Great, uh, I can't believe you hit the ball, sir. Uh, really clubbing it. Yeah. We better start moving. Ha ha ha! Did you see that? Miracle, eh? Nice shot, Bishop. You must have made a deal with the devil. Yeah, I could. Break the clock record, theoretically. Better come in until this blows over. Well, funny you think, son. Huh? I keep playing. I don't think the heavy stuff's gonna come down for quite a while. You're right. Anyway, the good Lord would never disrupt the best game of my life. Obviously, the bishop didn't follow the teachings of Benjamin Franklin. The best part is that Carl just leaves him presumably dead on the course. By the way, the Cinderella story bit was all Bill Murray improvising, because all he had to go off of in the script was that Carl was cutting off the heads of these flowers. He then turned this into whacking them with a club while doing his golf commentary. It's just absolutely brilliant. Next, we get the only semi-serious part of the movie as Maggie visits Danny. Hi, Maggie. <laughs> 
<clears throat> You're here early. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of slept here last night. <clears throat> oh, Maggie. I'm in big trouble. Oh, yeah? Me too. I'm late. Late for what? For not being pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I don't hold you responsible. It's my problem. I can handle it, Daddy. Oh, Mag. <laughs> Maggie. Look, look. I'm not going to let you go through this alone. No. Whatever you decide. I'm going to have it. I've already decided. Well, that's it then. We'll just get married. Oh, God. That's all I need. <laughs> no, look, I want to, all right? No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Look, I don't want to get married, Danny. Oh, come on, Maggie. You're just saying that. No, I'm not. Look, Danny, it might not be yours, okay? Maggie, I know you're just making this up about the other guy, so I won't have to feel guilty. I'm not making it up. All right, well, I'm still willing to marry you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, takes for nothing. Frankly, that last scene really doesn't fit the movie at all, and I'm assuming most forget all about it. This is likely due to all the cuts from the original film. Next, the judge wants to see Danny, as it couldn't get any worse for him. The judge would like to see a caddy named Danny Noonan as soon as he comes in. I'm Danny Noonan. Would you come with me, please? Judge Smale, sir? Sit down, Danny. Danny, I think you know why you're here, so I'll do us both the courtesy of not reviewing what happened yesterday. Sorry. My niece is the kind of girl that has a certain zest for living. The last thing any of us need right now is a lot of loose talk about her behavior. I swear I didn't tell anybody anything, sir. <laughs> good. Good, good. You know, despite what happened, I... I'm still convinced you have many fine qualities, and I... I think you can still become a gentleman someday. If you understand and abide by the rules of decent society. <laughs> Danny. Danny. There's a lot of, uh... Well, badness in the world today. I see it in court every day. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Didn't want to do it. Felt I owed it to them. The most important decision you can make right now is what do you stand for, Danny? <clears throat> Goodness or badness? I know I've made some mistakes in the past. I'm willing to make up for that. I want to be good. Good. <laughs> good. Very good. <laughs> you know, I... I know how hard it is for young people today, and I want to help. Well, just ask my grandson Spaulding. He and I are regular pals. Are you my pal, Mr. Scholarship Winner? 
Yes, sir. I'm your pal. <laughs> How about a fresca? Oh. Huh? <laughs> uh, oh. Back at the club, Al continues to drive Judge Smales nuts. Come on, honey, let's go, huh? Hey, boys, how are you? Hey, hey Al, how are you? How are you? Hey, we're both starving. When do we eat, huh? You. You. You have worn out your welcome at Bushwood, sir. Is that so? Who made you pulp in this dump, huh? Bushwood? A dump? Well, I'll guarantee you'll never be a member here. Member? Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. Only reason I'm here is maybe I'll buy it. Buy? Bushwood? You Gentlemen, please, what's going on? He tried to choke me. You saw it? You can he call me a baboon, thinks I'm his wife. I'm calling the police. You call the chief of police. I built this condo. Out. I want him out of here. He wants you out of here. I'll another moment here with this man. I want him out of here. I'll never see him again. Come on, let's be adults here. Let's not mess the place up. We can handle this in private. Let's go to your office. I'll make some drinks for us all. We'll talk about it. Come on. While Ty plays the diplomat, Maggie gets the good news that she's not pregnant, which also delights Danny. Back at the bargaining table, Al bets 20 grand that he can beat the judge and his partner in a team match of golf. Al tries to get Ty to partner with him, but Ty is hesitant. However, after listening to the judge try to persuade him, Ty agrees to partner with Al and doubles the bet to 40 grand. Next, we visit Carl and his plans for the gopher. I have to laugh. <laughs> because I've often asked myself. By foe, my enemy is an animal. And in order to conquer him, I have to think like an animal. Whenever possible, to look like one. I gotta get inside this dude's belt and crawl around for a few days. Who is the gopher's ally? His friend. The harmless squirrel and the friendly rabbit. I'm going to use you two guys to do my dirty work for me. (laughs) It's the gopher. In the meantime, Ty is doing some night golfing and then runs into Carl. Hello. There she is. There she is. This is it. It's a Titleist. Show yourself, you little varmint. You got the guts. You son of a bitch. Here you go. Oh, hi, Carl. How you doing? Oh, oh uh, hi. Hi. Mind if I play through? Uh, sure, go right ahead. What are you, getting in a late night or something? Yeah, I was just loosening up a bit. Now, was that uh, your ball I heard rambling through? Yeah, did you see my ball? Hello? list? That's it. Yeah, it's right here. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, uh, it's 
really awful. Well, I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Uh, I'm an assistant greenskeeper. They say that doesn't mean anything, you know, until I'm the head greenskeeper. Uh, can you give me a ruling on this? Well, I sit down. Come on. Make no, I don't, I don't want to stick to anything in here. Uh, well, here, take this thing off. This is dirty. Not, don't go to too much trouble, please. Here. Fire up. Uh, with my lips? Yeah. I don't think so, right Carl. Just right back. If I could just borrow a wedge or something and get right... If you can open a curtain up out there somewhere, I can get right through that window. People say, you know... I'm an idiot or something because all you do is cut lines for a living, you know? Oh, uh, people don't say that about you as far as you know. Well, I'm working on it, you know, so I don't ever have to, you know, I'm going to be the head greenskeeper. Hopefully within six years, that's my, my schedule. But I, I'm studying a lot of this stuff so I know it, you know, like, uh, you know, chinch bugs, you know, manganese. A lot of people don't even know what that is, you know. Great, Carl. Can I get a... Nitrogen, you know. You just open a curtain or something over there and I can just get right... I up. invented my own kind of grass, too. Do you know that? Look at this. This is registered. Carl Spagler Bench. Oh, yeah. I've felt grass like this before. I've played on this stuff. This is a hybrid. This is a cross, uh, a bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass uh, featherbed bench and uh, Northern California sensimia. The amazing stuff about this is that you can play 36 holes on it in the afternoon, take it home and just get stoned in a bejesus belt that night on this stuff. I got pounds of this stuff. Here. No, thank you. No, I don't, I don't, uh... Sir, let's have a little bit of this. I get the big Bob Marley joint. Look at this. Here, try this. Carl, I, uh, I really don't do this very often. You're gonna love this. this is dynamite hack. Watch out for this. Well, maybe one drag, I gotta go. <coughs> it's a little harsh. <coughs> but here, cannonball it. <coughs> right back. Right <coughs> back. And then one more, he's right on top of Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. No. Carl. <coughs> Can I have a drop? Just a drop. Myself. <coughs> That's fine for me. That's good. Can I say something to you, Frank? Ty, Frank. You've been acting psychotically lately. What the hell? Why? Well, I've been a little under strain. I've got to play with smells tomorrow. Smells? Money match, no. The thing to do with smells is, he bothers you, I'll take care of him. What you got to do with the smells is, you cut the hamstring on the back of his leg right at the bottom, he'll never play golf again. Carl. Because he goes back, his weight displacement goes back, and he stays there. All his weight's on his right foot, he's going to be pushing everything off to the right. He'll never come through on anything. He'll quit the game. That would work, and I'm, I'm going to call you if I need that help. But seriously, no BS. You ever win a rap or anything? You know, just talk or just, you know, get weird with somebody. You know, buddies for life, I think. I'll drop by. You drop by my place anytime. Good. What's your address over there? You're on Briar, right? Briar, uh-huh. Two. You got a pool over there? We have a pond in the back. We have a pool and a pond. A pond would be good for you. Natural spring. Oh, yeah. Or, or you know, the pool or a pond. Anything would be good. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to clean this up. You go ahead and clean up a little bit. It looks fine to me. <clears throat> Thanks for the dope. As I mentioned in the making of earlier, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase were not friends off set and did not get along at all. So there was a lot of tension on the set about having a scene with the two of them. Originally in the script, Ty and Carl did not meet, but Orion Pictures requested a scene with them after seeing the dailies and knowing that, frankly, they were the two big stars of the film. Nobody knew what to expect when shooting started. And when the filming started for the scene, both actors were total pros. And you would never have guessed that they hated each other. 
and the scene is fabulous as they were both improvising. All right, there's about 20 minutes left, and it's the big match between Al and the judge. Plus, we find out if Carl can ever beat the gopher. There are some gems during the match, all unrelated to the actual game, like the staff betting on if the judge's nephew picks his nose when he thinks nobody's watching. To many, Caddyshack is one of the best comedies of the 80s, or any era for that matter, and you'd be hard-pressed to find more comedic talent at the top of their game in one film. And they all work seamlessly together, at least through the magic of film, or at least film editing. Caddyshack is a movie that never gets old, no matter how many times you've seen it. And let's face it, Caddyshack made golf actually seem fun and cool. It's too bad fantasy doesn't really match reality. And then finally we come to golf. Do you ever watch golf on TV? It's like watching flies fuck. I get more excited picking out socks. Golf could be fun if you could play alone. But it's these genetic defectives that you have to hang around with. That makes it such a boring pastime. Think of the brains that it takes to play golf. Hitting a ball with a crooked stick. And then walking after it. And then hitting it again. I say pick it up, asshole. You're lucky you found it. Put it in your pocket and go the fuck home, will ya? As Harold Ramis said, the film was really like an early Marx Brothers movie, as these lunatics just drove the high society folks crazy. Rodney was like Groucho, and Bill Murray was like Harpo, and Chevy Chase was Chico. And if you're wondering about the sequel, Caddyshack 2 from 1988, let me just say this, it's as bad as Blues Brothers 2000. All right, some fun facts. So theatrical and television trailers show some of the extra shots and deleted scenes. If you're wondering, these include Danny almost gets hit by a throwing knife when he's in the kitchen, Danny juggling with golf balls, a couple of extra shots of the gopher, including a scene where he dances in one of his tunnels, Ty and Lacey talking while walking across the golf course, there's an alternate version of the scene where Smales gets hit with a golf ball in the groin, another scene between Ty and Lacey on some boat, and there are some stills and lobby cards that also show a part where Ty talks on the phone while Lacey whispers in his ear in the same deleted scene. There's another deleted scene that shows Danny and Ty on the fairway when Carl drives up. He offers advice on hitting the ball, which actually belongs to another party playing behind Danny and Ty. Ty lets him hit one and then catches another and gives it to Carl to hit before the party behind them runs up. All right. Again, this is a classic, so why don't we have two classic guests, Bill Roseberry and DJ Metal Mike Tyler, of course, from the Metal Mike Show on ThatMetalStation.com, which you can hear every Friday night, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. They join me to talk about this comedic classic, and I'll be back next week with yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we're back with the dynamic duo of DJ, Metal Mike Tyler, and of course, Bill Roseberry, who are together on the Metal Mike Show every Friday night on ThatMetalStation.com, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back, guys. Good to be back, brother. Thanks for having us. How's it going there, Brian? And remember, there's no gambling in Bushwood, sir. (laughs) Well, I say rat farts to that, so... when when you guys first saw this for the first time, uh, was it an immediate hit for you, like other classic comedies of the era? And I'm thinking like Animal House, Blues Brothers, Vacation Stripes. Uh, w- was it an immediate hit for you? And we'll we'll start with Bill on this. Absolutely, but I didn't see this 
probably until I was a teenager and adult, probably an adult actually, because I was only four when it came out. I didn't, you know, and I didn't, I didn't see it when I was a kid, but yes, the first time I saw it, you know, I went back and watched a lot of those old movies, you know, this animal house, uh, blues brothers. I saw a lot of them when I was a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously I wouldn't watch them when I was a kid. Like my parents, we did watch vacation movies together. I saw them when I was young, Mm -hmm. but yes, Caddyshack was an instant hit for me. How about you, Mike? And did you see this in the theater or was it, was it cable? Uh, it was cable. And uh, remember, as a uh, previous episode, I said at the time I lived in a rural area, we didn't have cable, but my grandma lived in the next town over and she had cable. So my dad mm-hmm. would pay for her cable. And every like Friday night, we would have a movie night at my grandma's and mm-hmm. Caddyshack happened to be the night mm-hmm. or, you know, movie that night. And that was when I first seen it. So I was pretty young. I mean, what year did that come out? In 18, 1980? Yes. Yep. So I probably was like you know 11 years old i remember getting a big kick out of it though my grandma loved it especially the little gopher dancing she just thought that was (laughs) hilarious um and of course uh, you know my parents were pretty cool they'd let us watch saturday night live so i already knew who chevy chase was i knew who bill murray was so yeah i was all in on caddy and and rodney dangerfield i mean come on ted knight from the mary tyler moore show i was like yeah yeah you know yeah so yeah i i got it i got Caddyshack immediately, even though I'm not really the world's biggest golf fan. Sure. Well, that leads me perfectly to the, to the next question. We'll, we'll go with Mike on this one. Uh, is Caddyshack, in your your guys' opinion, the funniest sports movie of all time? And we'll start with Mike. Ooh, the funniest sport. I don't know. I mean, I'd put, I definitely would rank it up there. Mm-hmm. The funniest? I mean, for me, I would say probably the funniest sports movie at, at least at the top of my mind right now, it'd probably be Major League. I, you sure. know what I mean? I mean, sure. But hey, no, no, <laughs> no disrespect to Caddyshack though, because I do love that movie. But yeah, yeah. Major League is just—I'm just gonna say—I think Major League's a perfect movie, man. It's just perfect. I mean, everything about that movie is perfect. But sure, no, hey, I understand that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, Caddyshack is would definitely be in my top five. Mm-hmm. Of, of funny sports movies for sure how about you bill i mean by my clapping you realize <laughs> that i thought mike gave the correct answer there you go <laughs> the funniest sports movie of all time and <laughs> major league is an actual sports movie that Caddy, tricky yeah, yeah. takes place on a golf course takes place but golf is not the point this movie is really a lot a, a series of skits yeah really yeah, it doesn't yep. really have a it's got a plot, but it's pretty weak. It's just a series of, of really hilarious skits. Mm-hmm. And just because it happens at a, a, a country club, it's considered a sports movie. I don't really throw Caddyshack. And like recently, you and I had done um, uh, Tin Cup. Yep. That's a golf movie. Sure. Actually, this, even Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore is more of a golf movie than this. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Caddyshack's just a fantastic screwball comedy in my my sure. opinion uh, that just happens to take place at a country club yeah totally fair so okay this is gonna be kind of fun so i'm gonna put you guys on the spot for you personally and we'll start with bill on this one rank the following actors in terms of funniest for you as the main stars so you got chevy chase bill murray rodney dangerfield and ted knight how would you rank them in terms of your preference of funniest in this film in this film? Oh, yes. Lord, that's tough, man. I know. And I did it on purpose. Wow. <laughs> There's no okay. right or wrong answer, but it's, so, you know, it's so we go backwards. Okay. 
Sure. So, so we'll do it this way. 4A. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, man, 4A is Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. 3A is Bill Murray. <laughs> 2A is Ted Knight. And 1A is Rodney Dangerfield. Can you hear me clapping? That is yes. exactly how I would have it as well. That's so funny. How about you, Mike? Hmm. I, I, I don't think I can argue with that. Yeah, I I think that I think that's that's pretty accurate, man. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about it and like, yeah, yeah, I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I got I got to echo what you guys are just doing. So I, here, sh- let me clap. <laughs> I'm shocked Bill did that because I thought I was being, you know, countercultural because I think most people pick Bill Murray just because, you know, he's just he is absolutely hilarious. But um Ted Knight is probably the one that gets forgotten the most, unless you're really yes. an aficionado. But without him, I think a lot of the other guys who are absolutely hilarious, like Rodney and everything, they might not hit as well because Ted Knight's such a great foil. Hey, Ted Knight, I mean, come on, just just work on Mary Tyler Moore alone. Yeah. Comedic genius. Yep. Comedic I, genius, man. Yeah. Mike, I thought you might throw Spalding in there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, that's a perfect segue. Yeah, <laughs> that's a perfect segue. Uh, well, Bill, what are you, what are your favorite lines and, and some of your favorite scenes? Oh. Top five. I will do that. I know I just rewatched this, but I mean, I think every line that Rodney Dangerfield has, <laughs> I mean, you know, for years and years and years, I've been putting on trivia nights through my, my DJ service. I played slow pitch softball for 20 years and we did a trivia night every year as a fundraiser to raise money for all us guys to play softball. Mm-hmm. And we always, always have a movie quote uh, category. I do the same thing now for this basketball awards committee that I'm president of. And we raise money for our banquet every year. We do a trivia night. And Caddyshack, we always use probably the one that I, I use a lot is uh, at the end when Rodney Dangerfield says, hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. <laughs> That's one of my favorites, and I would say any line that he has in that movie is great. That uh, kangaroo stole my ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Bill Murray's um, his little speech where he's talking about meeting the Dalai Lama and and <laughs> the um, llama. <laughs> yeah, the llama. And I mean, we use that one at uh, trivia nights too. And I mean, that's a classic one. Um, you know, what's the one where ties like? Um, I can't remember. A flute with no holes is something, and a donut with no holes is a Danish. Right. I love that one, that part too. And then, you know, Ted Knight, when he's, you know, they're, gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. And I love it when he says something about the, uh, man, he's got the shoes for the the, the black guy down in the, and he, he tells him to shine them up. And then he says something, he says something about black people or something. The black guys wear the shine his shoes. He's like, what motherfucker? And he's like, <laughs> Sitting there, like throwing sparks off his shoes and stuff, stuffing them. Yep. Mm-hmm. God, I, I, there's so many. I mean, I can just keep going. Anytime the Gopher shows up and starts dancing, and sure. that's the thing. Bill Murray and the Gopher is like watching Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Yep. And I don't know if if Harold Ramis did this on purpose, but the fact that the Gopher looks so fake, it looks like a teddy bear that's just popping around out there, makes it even more hilarious if that gopher looked more realistic it wouldn't be as funny but the way he looks so damn fake and then he comes up and he moves his little arms and starts shaking (laughs) his little belly 
He's doing a little yep. fat man dance. It's hilarious. It's like a cartoon. It's perfect. Yeah. Mike, Mike, some of your your favorites. Oh man, uh, for for me, uh, well, I, obviously the candy bar in the in the pool. Oh, I yes. mean, it's just Duty! you know that that is one of the it's certain things about this movie where there's certain standout scenes that have always stayed with me, and that was definitely one of them. And then of course, uh, Bill Murray eats it, which yeah. I still think is kind of gross. I'm like, dude, it's been in the water, and, <laughs> and like. What is wrong with you? But Bill Murray, he doesn't give a fuck. He'll do anything, no, you know. Exactly. Obviously, even as a kid, I was like, oh. And then the lady faints, and uh, obviously uh, the the gopher and all that, and the and the and the interaction between him and and Bill Murray was great. And as I said, I always think of my grandmother whenever I see get because she just loved that little gopher man. She just mm-hmm. thought he was hilarious, especially he would be dancing to the Kenny Loggins soundtrack and stuff. You know, <laughs> she just was like, oh man. She would just laugh. So I, I, I always think of that. Though that and another scene that always stayed with me for whatever reason, because even as a kid, I just thought it was so weird when the priest oh. <laughs> decides to go golfing in the and storm. Bill encourages him through this raging storm and he gets <laughs> fried by lightning. I'm just like, whoa. Like this is a even as a kid, I thought, man, this movie's kind of messed up, man, because kind of dark, dark humor but i yeah but i do agree with bill there it, it is a strange film because like you said it's not a, a huge it's just all these I, I i mean to me it's almost like all these saturday night live writers at the time just got together and let's write all these skits yeah. but use the same characters right and that's right. kind of what it, it it feels like i mean there is kind of a overarching story but it's 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 just like okay it's these guys they work at a golf course and stuff country club and uh and then of course you have the you know, the, the, the character, the main character, because he's trying to figure out what to do with his life and everything. And I don't know. It is. It's a classic movie for a reason, man. I mean, Harold Ramis, he made a bunch of them, and this is just one of them. Yeah, it, definitely. I'm so glad you brought up. The, oh, go ahead, Bill. I was just going to say, uh, um, back to the whole skit thing, that that whole scene, which is which is wonderfully done in and hilarious, the scene with Chevy Chase and Bill Murray together when golf <laughs> there and, and ends up in in uh, Carl's little little shack or whatever there. Yep. It really has no bearing on the movie whatsoever. It's just like that was a scene that they threw in there so Chevy Chase and Bill Murray could have a scene together. I mean Exactly. That's they the had kind to of do it. the movie was. I mean and, 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 and you right, gotta yeah. and you also gotta wonder just how much of this stuff was ad libbed. Yeah, I get yeah, the feeling like a lot Murray. of it was, yeah. And yeah. Rodney. Rodney and Rodney. man, you know, because he just comes up with crazy stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean the way the yeah. way Chevy would talk, you know, to Carl when he was in there, and Ty would talk to Carl. I mean, you know, it, it was he was like putting him down, but doing it so subtly that Carl wasn't smart enough to know it. it oh, <laughs> great! I mean, it, it doesn't really add anything to the plot structure. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. Well, and, and I I don't know if you guys knew the backstory, but they they did not like each other going back to Saturday. Life. They even got in a fight on when um, really? Chase went to guest. Yeah, uh, and Bill Murray was then the the major player, and I think it was '79. So they held it together because they knew that uh, you know it, you know they were professionals. But yeah, they, they were not going to be. They kept expanding Bill Murray's role once he got on on. They started filming his stuff because it was only supposed to be a couple scenes, but they realized he, he was comedy goals. So they kept it expanding, oh. and that was a scene that that was expanded. So you're right; it really doesn't fit the movie at all, but. You, Right. It's a series of vignettes. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of how Animal House is. In many ways, that's how Blues Brothers is. So, yes, you're true. You're right on. You're right on. And they are classic because they're just hilarious. I mean, yeah. You know, 
Carl, every time Carl's like using the ball washer or whatever and watching his <laughs> old lady, yep. it's so creepy, but it's hilarious. I mean, he's he's such a creepy dude. It's great. Yes. The way he talks, too, is really exactly. good. <laughs> well, I'm glad Mike brought up the baby Ruth, so we'll go with Mike on this one. Have you ever tried the baby Ruth in the pool trick or been sub- subjected to a real turd in the pool? First is Mike. God, no. <laughs> No, thank God. No, okay. that's never happened to me, man. And I've never Good. done that. Uh, Good. No. How about you, Bill? Um, no, not in a pool. Um, on a float trip one time, <laughs> uh, somebody out on the canoe or raft or whatever, somebody saw something floating by from somebody <laughs> with us. I can't remember. Yeah, so uh, that was a real one. It wasn't a candy bar. But uh, never- uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Hey, you're out drinking and, and, and floating all day. I mean, this is a Midwest thing, Brian. You probably, <laughs> you know, you guys get to go out in the ocean and have, have real fun in the water. We we go to these little, uh, little rivers here in the Midwest, not the Mississippi, but we got <laughs> little ones all over. And you go there and you get a bunch of beer. And you climb into a canoe or a raft and you float down all day and you're just drinking beer and going down the river. And so, you know, things happen and sometimes, yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> Bill, why do I get the feeling that maybe it was you that it uh, was dropped that? Me. I, you're kind of defending it. Like, well, hey, things now. happen, you yeah. know. I don't know, dude. It was not me. I can't. This was a, if this was a was. mystery, you would be my suspect number yeah. one already. <laughs> uh, just saying, buddy. Well, we'll try to recover from this, and uh, we'll, we'll go with. The, uh, how do you guys feel about Michael O'Keefe as Danny? Um, it's kind of interesting. He's he's a main character, but obviously overshadowed by the enormous talents of everyone else. Would you have picked another actor to play Danny? And we'll start with Bill. Um, no, I think Michael O'Keefe did a good job because I don't think his job was to to carry the movie comedically. His job was to kind of, you know, carry the the plot. He 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 is funny in it and he does a good job. But I think you know he's a sneaky. You sneakily forget that he's in the movie because mm-hmm. he really had a nice career as an actor as a um, as a character actor, but. I think people forget that he was in Caddyshack. You know, he goes on to play. Um, oh, he's great in, in the Roseanne. Great Santini. Yeah, he was in Roseanne, and he's been in so many different things. He kind of reminds me of. Uh, it's kind of the same type of thing as like Brad Brad Dourif from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You know, mm. he was such a big part of that cast, and then you kind of forget later on. You're seeing him, you're like, oh, that's the guy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You never remember his name, right? But then you'll think back to that role you know and that guy was a great michael, character actor man mm-hmm. i think michael o'keefe's kind of the same way so i have no problem with michael o'keefe playing mm-hmm. noonan yeah he was great in the great santini with uh robert duvall how about you mike would you have replaced him or are you you're uh, you know good? what i i'm i gotta echo what bill said pretty much i thought and because he really is the guy who keeps the he's the glue he's the glue yeah mm-hmm. so he is important you know and i mean the movie literally starts with him waking up and yep. yeah I, I thought he did just fine man you know in fact I, i'm surprised in a way that he didn't get more work, right? You know, um, because I thought he did a good job. I mean, he's kind of holding his own with all these comedic legends, man. And um, you know, I mean, he, I mean, like you said, he's had a nice career as a character actor. I'm sure he has no complaints, but I am surprised he didn't get more work because, yeah. as, as far as I know, that's probably one of the few leading man roles he had, really. Yeah, really. Agreed. Agreed. 
Is this the best Kenny Loggins soundtrack song? So I'm I'm all right. We, I'll put it up against Danger Zone and Footloose. What do you guys think? Uh, we'll start with Mike. I would say yes. Don't get me wrong. Danger Zone's cool. I like Footloose. It's a good tune. But, you know, and I know he kind of became, during this time period, the movie soundtrack guy, man. I yep. mean, everybody would know. But I love that song he does uh, on that. And part of it's because I always think of that gopher just dancing to it. And I'm like, yeah. So for <laughs> me, yes. Okay. How about you, Bill? Come on, Mike. We know it's the one that that, that uh, Brian didn't even mention. It's over the top. Oh, good God. <laughs> over the top. You know, that's the best Kenny Law. I'm I'm totally kidding. It is <laughs> that is awful. Yes. I'm glad you didn't throw over the top in there because that that well, is I, not even what? an honorable mention. <laughs> I, 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 with over the top, I kind of treat it like you do Rocky Five. It didn't happen. Oh, shut up. Over the I, top is great, dude. No, you're mine, Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. You got you, and I love Sylvester Sloan Robert Loggia, but Good God, so, the acting in that movie is just So, terrible. Brian, that, that just tells me whenever you want to do over the top, you're just going to have me on. because I, 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 I do, too. So that's good. And I'm, <laughs> do, you, do you like I'm All Right Better Than Danger Zone and Footloose? Me? Yes, absolutely. Yes, that is his best soundtrack song, okay. uh, in my opinion. I mean, uh, it's probably one of my – I don't know. I love his, his – um, his, outside of the movie soundtrack your, your mama don't dance and then his cover of danny's song um mm-hmm. i love that this but that song's right up there for my all-time favorite kenny Loggins song i mean um mm-hmm. i'm all right from caddyshack is fantastic yeah yes yeah. all right we're gonna have to get a little negative have you guys seen the abomination known as caddyshack too bill nope i have not uh i don't even remember who all was in it? I know it didn't have the full cast. Chevy Chase and Bill Murray were not. Were they, is that correct? No, Chevy 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 Chase was in it. Uh, Dan Aykroyd replaces Bill Murray and um, Jackie Mason in it. <laughs> oh yes, you know what? I have seen part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never watched all the way through, but I saw part of it on cable. And it, I was just like, oh, this is not. You know, it just wasn't the same. So. No, I've never sat down and watched all the way through to to really have a a hatred for a, it, a hatred for it, or a great real insight into it. So, but yeah, that, that's right. I remember now. I have seen parts of it. It didn't do anything for me. Mike, have you been subjected to Caddyshack too? I gotta kind of echo what Bill just said. Um, I I don't know. I was flipping through cable one day and it was on, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll check this out. I only like watched part of the movie and I lost interest and I changed the channel. Yeah. Um, I kind of consider, I don't, it, it never happened. It's like Rocky five. It didn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that bad. It's pretty bad. And, and let's really just say bad. this. I didn't watch the whole film and, and I never bothered to check out the rest of it. So yeah. there you go. Do you there get you to go. see Lacey under boobs in it? Cause then I might watch it. No, I, I think that's a point in the eighties where gratuitous, TNA is starting to fade out a little bit. So. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I, I might watch it if she gets naked in it again. She <laughs> was she was pretty hot. Absolutely. Now to kind of wrap this up, um, there's another kind of ranking, and this is this will be kind of fun. So I'm going to go through Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, and Harold Ramis, and so I want you to rank where you think Caddyshack ranks in some of their I, I would say their best movies. So for Chevy Chase, where would you rank Caddyshack for? I know you guys love Christmas Vacation the most, but we'll say Christmas. Vacation, vacation, Fletch, and foul play. Where would you put Caddyshack there? And we'll start with Mike. 
You know, as much as I really like Fletch and foul play, I, I would I would say number three. Christmas I would rank vacation. Christmas vacation. Really, to be fair, Christmas Vacation Vacation is almost like one and one A to me. Okay, yeah. I love both those movies that much. Mm-hmm. Then I would say, yeah, probably Caddyshack. Man, I don't know. I really like Fletch and Foul Play about equally. So I don't know if I um, Foul Play and then Fletch, I guess. You know. Okay. How about you, Bill? Super easy for me. It's Christmas Vacation One, mm-hmm. Vacation Two. Caddyshack three, and then I don't really have anything to say about the. I have not seen Fletch since I was a kid. I don't remember a whole lot about it, and I've never seen Foul Play. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, I remember. Oh, there's another uh, Chevy Chase film I really like a lot too that had Goldie Hawn in it, and seems like old times was a good one too. That is a great one. Yep, yep. You know, I remember Spies Like Us, and then um, Funny Farm was one of mine that I really. Funny loved. Farm is an underrated <laughs> classic, man. That's yeah. not that no nobody gives that movie enough credit. That was a funny. Funny, funny Farm's funny one of my collection. Yeah, I'm I'm working to find that so I can add it. So you can actually get uh, it's on Blu-ray. It's a combo of Spies Like Us and Funny Farm together. You can get it pretty cheap. I'm kind of like an old person when I do my movie collection. <laughs> my mom, my mom does it too. I have a movie list. That I, I have the IMDb app, and I'll keep it with movies that I want to find and add. And uh, but I have a hard copy list that I give them that I give to my mom, and she carries it around. And whenever birthdays or Christmas come, she loves it. She goes out running for these, and she'll go to different places and 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 go through their movie collections. She's become friends basically with people <laughs> that have you know like slackers where they sell used movies. Like yeah. the people know her when they come. What's your son want now? And like, <laughs> so she loves doing it. It's kind of become a thing that, that she loves to do. And then I, I keep my IMDb app. And some days when I'm out, there's a slackers right by my, uh, where I get my haircut. So I'll be on, on waiting list to get, get my haircut or whatever. I'll sign in online, but I'll have a little bit of time. I'll go there and, uh, look through the movies before I'm getting my haircut. And, uh, and usually find some pretty cool stuff. I mean, sometimes it's I'll, I'll go through the used ones and I'll find things that I don't have. Like a while back, I went in there and I found like a Cincinnati Kid and Enemy Mine and Starman. Hmm. It's like people will just randomly sell this stuff. Yeah, and you'll be able to find it there. So that's that's kind of the way I do it. So you know, Got I'll it. search for stuff for a while. I don't. We'll just usually go online and buy it. That kind of defeats the the fun for me, the relaxation and the enjoyment of trying to find it. You know, like totally, that. totally get it. I do that with vinyl because that's the that's the fun part of yeah. uh, finding these gems. Yep. Okay, Bill, we're gonna we're gonna start with Bill Murray. Uh, between Stripes, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, and Scrooge, where do you rank Caddyshack? Number one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, easily. I, some of those are, are, are okay. I mean, I, you know, I've only seen bits and pieces of Scrooged. Um, okay. That's not what I watched. Uh, uh, Groundhog's, Groundhog Day I've seen, and, 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 and it's okay. I like it. But uh, And what were the other ones you said? Stripes and Ghostbusters. See, I don't, know, I've, I've, I don't own either one of those. Ghostbusters. Really? You don't have Ghostbusters? Two. Wow. Yeah, Ghostbusters would be two on that list, and it's one okay. I probably need to add. Stripes. I probably need to watch it again, but I watched it. It's okay. My big Bill Murray movies were like, what about Bob? Oh, uh, okay. That's one of my favorites. I have that. Um, and I, I absolutely, uh, uh, love that movie. I grew up on that one. That was, 
that was my uh mm -hmm. my when it came to bill murray for sure mike how would you rank it stripes ghostbusters groundhog day scrooge where do you put caddyshack caddyshack number one ghostbusters number two uh stripes number three scrooge would be number four mm -hmm. um and uh i don't know what and else groundhog is day. Gr oh, groundhog day. you know what yeah. no groundhog day would be number four Okay. Scrooge would be number five. There you go. And then for Harold Ramis, we're just going to cover the ones he directed. So where do you put Caddyshack between the original Vacation, Groundhog Day, and Analyze This? And we'll go like, with Mike. Man, Vacation be number one, Caddyshack number two, mm -hmm. then Groundhog Day, then Analyze This for okay. me. Okay. How about you, Bill? Same same order. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the Analyze oh, okay. This and Analyze That movies. I didn't think they were very good. Mm. Uh I, I enjoyed the meet meet the parents and meet the Falkers and all that as far as Robert De Niro comedy more than than those. I, I didn't really like those movies much. And Midnight Run, probably the best. Yeah, Midnight Run was a was a uh, was a good one too, which I haven't seen in a long time either. I don't know when that either. <laughs> well, if you're listening, Bill's mom, scavenger yeah. hunt, Midnight <laughs> Run. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for doing this. And again, you can catch the hilarity of the dynamic duo of Metal Mike Tyler and Bill Roseberry every Friday night starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ThatMetalStation.com. Thanks again, guys. Always an honor, sir. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.